Welcome to the Arcana Archives, uh, a, a deep dive into nerddom. That's what we do here. Almost forgot <laughs> <laughs> for a second there. <laughs> Anyways, I am Rogan, and my fun fact for this week, if I can find it, oh my goodness, here it is. Uh, my favorite thing about being an introvert is the interaction when somebody thanks you and you lose confidence halfway through your response and just say, yeah, no. Oh my god, the amount of times I've heard you do that, too. That's, that's like a Canadian thing, too. Just like being like, yeah, no. No, yeah. Um, I'm Chelsea, uh, and I. my fun fact is that I really like 20-sided dice. Oh, yes. Oh. oh, I've got some really, I got some really cute ones. <laughs> Most of mine are purple, or... Oh, I've got like a, a bubblegum swirl. It's oh, like blue and, and blush pink and with a white back. And oh, it's, it's very so nice. That whole set. I love it. All right. So essentially we've established that we're giant nerds, which is good because <laughs> I'm assuming you're about to tell me something nerdy. <laughs> oh, yes. So, um, I had something that I really wanted to do this week, but I didn't quite get to where I felt confident, like really doing it justice. So what something I did instead is I went back and I found one of my research papers. <laughs> oh, fun. That's, oh, um, that's a genius idea. Man, why didn't I yeah. do that? This is from uh, my acoustics class like two years ago. So, and Ooh. what I want to talk about and what I did my research topic on is overtone singing. <gasps> I'm so excited to learn about this, actually. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So, um, are you going to do it, too? I can demonstrate it. I am not great at like doing specific pitches and stuff. I think you should though. I maybe we'll do that near the end. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we had to kind of lay a groundwork first for um, like how the voice functions, uh, like the physics of, of the voice and, and sound first before it all sort of makes sense because there's a lot of like unique concepts that sort of go into that because our bodies are complex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. So especially like, oh my goodness, there's so much going on, like from the neck up. <laughs> it's, it's Tell me nuts. about it. <laughs> yes. So there's the sound that is produced like from speaking is uh it begins in the larynx where vocal fo folds are pulled apart and then reset rapidly uh due to the air pressure released from the lungs so and they kind of make like a boat shape like if you think like a wave uh but think like if you hold your hands parallel to each other and then turn your fingers towards each other and then bring the back of your palms. That's kind of how that works. That, like that a frequency boat. vibration. Yeah. So, uh, but it does that like so fast. Like you can hardly see it. It's just a vibration. 
So, and, and this, so this creates a frequency vibration that sounds as a pitch, but without the rest of the vocal tract, uh, however, only a buzz could be like produced at the desired pitch and like amplitude. So like the force, the, the loudness of, of the, the pitch. Right. Um, so, and here I'll go into the vocal tract a little bit because, uh, it would be, I, I have like a figure here that like maybe we can post on social media when the episode comes out. Um, but essentially the vocal tract is like, there's the vocal folds, which sit kind of flat right at the top of the larynx. Uh, um, and then you have the laryngeal cavity, which is um, what is above it and goes to the back of your throat. Um, and then there is some sort of, there is a constriction there where the back of the tongue is that has like a short channel that goes up. And then you have the oral cavity, which is the inside of your mouth. And then the final channel is your lips. So the the sound that is produced is referred to as a complex sound in acoustics, uh, which means that there are like a great number of higher frequencies that are also sounding on top of the, fundament, the fundamental pitch that you're producing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, and it's only one like the human head and the rest of that vocal tract is attached uh that like, you, you begin to like perceive the formation of vowel sounds and you need everything to like all work together in harmony yes like i don't know if you've heard like oh i think just recently like within the last few years there was that uh like news story about the like reproduced uh some uh like ancient egyptian mommy's vocal tract yeah like, uh, i saw it's that larynx and but the only thing they could produce from it because it was just like a solid 3d mold was like a screaming sound <laughs> <laughs> and that's because like they had only that specific cavity shape so right uh these separate vowel shapes are created by manipulating the space within the vocal tract with the tongue and the lips um, and that highlights like certain areas in the harmonic series above the pitch you are singing uh, or speaking through uh, that changes the resonance in that space and that alters the timbre of the sound and makes the vowel sounds. Oh! Yes. I am I wanted to say oh obnoxiously to demonstrate um, my <laughs> newfound knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and I'll get into a little bit of uh, how you actually produce that specific mouth sound. Please. <laughs> yes, uh, but a, a little later. So uh, the, the resonances that are created in that tract, they're called formants. Uh, so, it, and there's the first two kind of relate to the quality of the vowel produced, while the next three make up like the singer's formant, which alters only the like amplification of the sound. So the first two are four vowels. They, they produce the vowel sounds. And then the ones above that, and there's like a great many, they're only for the loudness. So um, a bunch of opera singers access a whole lot of formants above the first two because they have to sing over a whole orchestra in like a huge space. I always wondered about that. I was like, how are some people so loud? Is it like something you can learn? Or are some people mm -hmm. just born that way? Maybe it's Maybelline. It, it's all about like the space you produce that can create more resonance because the... Um, the 
the sound wave has like more room to grow and and the pressure to be released. Oh, interesting. So it, it focuses it. So the the lower the fundamental note, the more harmonics will be available uh, like above the fundamental pitch. Um, while higher notes will see like a quicker drop off in harmonics as they move above like the audible hearing range. So, and if a, a note is sounded too low, however, the harmonics that sound will lose strength as they get further away from the starting pitch uh, in a process known as spectral tilt that will make it more challenging to make the higher overtones audible and it, like audibly alter the fa- fundamental sound or be audible themselves. So there's like too much space in between. Oh, okay. Um, so, and this is due to the roll off uh, found in the basic sound of the larynx before formants are applied, uh, where the first harmonic always sounds the loudest with a gradual decline in the amplitude of the harmonics after that initial pitch. So that's why you don't generally hear like a higher note above what you're speaking or singing because there is such a drop-off in the loudness of the harmonics above that, that um, the fir- it kind of blends into the first pitch. Oh! Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So uh, the harmonics that fall within the formants are amplified to the point that the amplitude like, reads over that of the fundamental, yet they only contribute to the overall timbre of the voice unless manipulated in certain ways. So, and this is where, like, the world of traditional singing and overtone, uh, like, traditional throat singing and overtone singing are are connected. So, uh, it, it, like, uh, an opera singer will access those formats just to project sound, where overtone singing accesses above the like those specific formants to create two different pitches that sound at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I understand. So um yeah, for the purposes of overtone singing, uh only the first two formants are really necessary to create the manipulation between the vowels that is needed to project the overtone at the same time as the fundamental. Um, so the vowels in this case are oo and e that create those, like that, that specific sound. Um, and that's because they have a certain relationship in the vocal tract shape that allow them to retain the same fundamental pitch while simultaneously projecting and altering the place of the formants to create two audible pitches at the same time. I can't believe, I can't like believe that people can do that though like you know you can understand (laughs) like how it works but then when you like try to actually do it it, i i can't (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i can whistle um, and hum at the same time (laughs) man yeah so there is this um essentially there's a chart which maybe we'll also post at the same time (laughs) as this other one to make it more uh, understandable. Um, so essentially there is the, uh, the X axis. So the horizontal axis is the first formant frequency. Um, and then the Y axis, which is the vertical is the second formant frequency. Um, so, and essentially there is, it shows all these vowel shapes sort of in a half circle, uh, 
uh, on this chart. And so uh, along the horizontal axis, the lower frequency you get is a closed vowel sound. So that means the lips are more together. So if you think like an ooh shape, uh, your lips come together and they uh, come out a little bit and they really focus that sound into just the smallest hole coming out. Um, and the E, which is uh, a, a, which is the other vowel shape used in throat singing and, and overtone singing, is also a closed shape, but it is more forward. So ooh is like an open back, so there's more space in your actual mouth, but a closed lips, so you're contracting that space, so it goes through. Where E is a, a forward sound, so you're bringing your tongue up and closing that space in the mouth, but you have uh, also that closed uh, like front of mouth space. So E, your, the back of your tongue comes up, closes off that space, uh, but you are also closing off the front of the space in your mouth and that's what creates that specific vowel shape nobody so, can see me but i'm like obnoxiously following around following along making like weird mouth <laughs> shapes <laughs> i'm like oh so, yes and then like <laughs> as you get like further you get more to open uh like open mouth shapes uh and and then you have uh as you get higher you get to front so e is front u is back um but they're both closed vowels and then as you get further so like right next to e to the right of e is uh a and then eh ah ah so it's just gradually getting more open so e is the most closed um of the front a is a little more open eh is even more open uh is uh, getting more towards the back, so there's more space opening in the back of your uh, mouth, um, but you're still somewhat forward uh, projecting. And then you get to ah, which is everything is open. You drop your jaw, um, your mouth is, is wide in the front, and it, the cavity is wide in the back. You know, it's and funny, you... I talk, I talk so much every day, like, I talk a lot, <laughs> um, and I never thought about how talking works, and now I feel like, I feel like this is gonna stick with me for, like, a couple weeks, like, I'm gonna really in my head about, like, the words I'm saying and the shapes I'm making and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yes, so, essentially, getting back to the overtone singing part, so, it's the second formant that manipulates which overtone is audible, while the first formant remains steady above the fundamental note. Uh, so like uh, this can be observed in the frequency range of both formants in the vowel chart. Um, so like, as I said, U and E both share like a very similar first formant around the like 100 to 400 Hertz range in the chart. Um, but they differ greatly in the range of their second formants, where U is ranging in the 500 to 1250 hertz area, while E is in the 2000 to 3500 hertz range. So, and then the gap that's in between these two vowels, second formants, is filled by a manipulation between the two vowels where the overtones are most audibly perceived. So, uh, essentially, in overtone singing, uh, 
you can better think of the formant frequencies as varying continuously in the vowel space along the front and back and open closed access. So essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the space between oo and e, and that's what is going to create that sound. So maybe I'll I'll calm down and do the demonstration now. <laughs> <laughs> I th I think you have to. <laughs> yes. So if you think oo shape, like say oo, oo, really forward lips, oo closed, um, mm -hmm. and then you have e. E is wider lips, but still close in the front and close in the back. E. And so then if you start on oo and gradually make your way to E. <gasps> That's so cool. Yes. Okay. Maybe I'll try to. Do you want to give it a try? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so don't try and like hard change just like kind of like think of a slider on like uh like a dimmer switch or something like just gradually make your way from ooh to e there you go oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> do you have you have no idea because what I remember last year you were telling me that you were learning to do overtone singing and yes. like I looked up how to do it because I was like haha I bet anybody could do that and <laughs> I, I don't know I wanted to see like how hard it was really and it was really hard and I couldn't do it and then you just like the dimmer switch thing you said they just made click if you're listening and following along you just try it just try it, it works really mm -hmm. it works that was amazing yeah like it it, it it's so hard to wrap your head around that when you don't understand like the physics of like the vocal tract yeah, uh, and like how the voice works. But as soon as you have that like fundamental understanding and like a little bit of like singer's knowledge uh, uh, of like manipulating vowel tones, uh, like it, 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 be, it just opens up a whole world. <laughs> so cool. That's so cool. There's a new thing I can do now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a cool party trick. Um, so, and yeah, th that's like all, as you could see, like demonstrated by that, or like hopefully feel if you tried it at home, uh, it's like a very subtle change in like the phonation uh, to create a shift in that next harmonic. Um, so the uh, there's like, spectrographs and what i did for this like i created a spectrograph um of one of my friends actually uh doing a full song in overtone singing um Whoa. and essentially you can he you can see on this chart there is like red where it lines up where the first fundamental is like where that harmonic lines up with that very specific acoustic space um and it is just a straight line all the way across, horizontal. Uh, and then the second formant, when you, he's doing that, you can see like visual pitch changes of like going up and down a scale, like in a waveform. We'll because... have to post that too. And if you're not mm -hmm. following us on Instagram or Facebook, uh, you should at Arcana Archives so you can see these pictures we're talking about. <laughs> yes. So yeah, essentially like that first note, that like note that you actually hear on the bottom, like the ooh that you start with is that straight horizontal line on the bottom where the first formant is. And the second formant is that change in pitch 
uh, that you hear above as you get higher to the E. So the That's so cool. So that would look like a big arch on the, the spectrograph. We're looking for arches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. Um, this is getting a little technical, but uh, like the the what you observe there, like all those observations are due to like the rules of the vowel manipulation from which we will only need to really refer to like three of the six that there are for the purpose of overtone singing. And that is that constriction in the front of the vocal tract uh, will lower the F1 and raise the F2. So the formant one and the formant two. Um, so like the lower you get here, like it, it, it sounds lower to do an ooh than it does to do an e because it's kind of more forward. Um, right. So a, a, a constriction in the back of the vocal tract will raise F1 and lower F2. Um, and then the rounding of the lips will cause both formants to like fall in frequency. So if you th uh, think like ah is a very open, that will be like up there, uh, like both formants will like raise way up in, in frequency, like the Hertz reading. So essentially with E and U both being the most closed of the vowel shapes, uh, constricting the area between the two vocal tract cavities, according to those three rules, the vowel E constricts more of the front cavity which will keep the formant one in a lower position due to the position of the tongue uh, that is closing the tract. And it heightens the, the second formant to be in the highest position out of all of the vowels. So while the vowel ooh retains the closed position while opening more of the front cavity, which brings the formant uh, one slightly up and the formant two drastically down. Um, but then it lowers both with the roundness of the lips, which drops both formants in parallel to each other. My so, mind is getting completely blown right now. Yes. It's, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> so, so I talked about that arching motion. So how this technique is accomplished is by like a correlation of all of those things, like I just said. Uh, so you have like the audible harmonics to a specific vocal tract shape in these positions uh, between the vowel movement. So enough experimentation, as you demonstrated, <laughs> will give one like a sense of where their tongue should be and an approximation of the vowel sound needed to get the best resulting harmonic observed above the fundamental. Yeah, now all I have to do is learn how to hit notes. <laughs> yes. So... That is essentially what that is. It's like you have to pay really close attention to exactly where your tongue is and how that correlates to a specific note. And then that allows you to memorize the shapes um, and that accomplish the specific harmonics above the fundamental pitch. Oh, that's, that's interesting. It's like learning an instrument, but it's your yes. mouth. It's like all the tongue. Because essentially like not a lot there's not a whole lot of movement from the jaw um when you get like to the back at least like 
you have some in the front for like, ah, that's a very like open jaw, but it's also like open back. All of that is the tongue that is shifting the space in the cavity. So if you memorize like specific tongue shapes and what note comes out above the first pitch, then you can like do full songs above where, uh, where you're singing that first note. And me learning hot cross buns. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like it, it becomes really hard because as I said before, or maybe I didn't mention this. So how the harmonic sequence works is there is like a low. So your low fundamental pitch is like at the very bottom. And then your first formant is like quite a ways above it. It's like the the Hertz reading of that first formant is uh, is higher, and then this there's a formula for the sequence after that. So you have the fundamental pitch, and then it's uh, a space, and then that space is divided, and so the second formant is slightly less space, and then the one on top of that is even less and less and less. So that's where like the lower the pitch the more frequency there is above that where you can hit harmonics with that those fundamental notes where the higher the pitch there's not as much so when you have a low pitch there is uh the higher you get the more and more and more and more frequencies you can hit with that note so it becomes much harder to actually like hone in on uh, a specific note. So you have to like really fool around with where that mouth shape is to find a specific pitch. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I, it like, I have not gotten there. <laughs> like I, 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 again, like I said at the beginning, like I can demonstrate how it works. Uh, and like create a pitch, but I can't like focus it into like an actual uh, song. But uh, like as I'll show in the chart, uh, the the spectrograph, uh, the the friend that I did, he's doing like full scales. Like you can see steps. So like he obviously took the time to actually figure that out. So crazy to me. Mm -hmm. So there is one further technique that can be applied to like further differentiate between the harmonics that aren't following like falling within the formant range uh and even like the fundamental from the sounding overtone so and that is through the application of vocal fry so and this technique is like most commonly observed in like the styles of mongolian and tuvan throat singing um and is not a whole lot in the western practice all I can think about is deep fried memes. <laughs> so yeah, vocal fry is essentially that like uh like you're you're kind of contracting the vocal folds a little bit. Um oh, gotcha. and it it's just creating like kind of a grudge. more it's like more of a sporadic uh version of that frequency. Like it's more like vibrating together. And that's what creates that like specific sort of dry sound. But yeah, the, the vocal fry creates a, 
non-periodic sound source that creates like a, a peak that lowers the amplitude of any of the harmonics that do not fall within the resonance of the formant. So it essentially like excludes any sort of sound in between where that overtone is that is sounding. So are you able to like make your voice go deeper than it usually would be able to by using vocal fry? If I'm um, so it, it's not necessarily deeper, but it like focuses the note more. So if I do like, you can kind of hear that overtone above where if I put, comes more into focus that top overtone right yeah and that's oh, like so cool. that's essentially the te technique of those like mongolian and tuvan like traditional throat singing essentially it like subtracts from the fundamentals perceived amplitude as well so it lowers the audible loudness of the bottom note so that overtone also like comes out more and it, it highlights that note even further so uh, but so it, it doesn't alter the amplitude of the harmonics that are in the formant, but it like dulls everything else to produce like a very clear, consistent tone that is louder above the fundamental drum. And that is essentially all I had. Huh. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm, this is definitely going to stick with me for the next couple of weeks. Like, I feel like every time I learn something about, like, how humans work, I just, like, can't get my mind off of it, and I'm just, I just, like, obsess with thinking about it. So, uh, hopefully that happens to our listeners, too, because I want you to think about us every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, well, the human body is just crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, if I can get my vocal teacher in here to tell you about, like, lung health and, like, every single muscle that's in the throat area. <laughs> I like want your that. Your mind's going to be blown. I want to meet your vocal teacher so bad. Oh, well, we'll see. Well, we'll try and What's her get name? her on maybe. Rachel Goldenberg. Rachel Goldenberg. This is your phone. Dr. Rachel Go to come Goldenberg. Come on our podcast. <laughs> Essentially, that is another one for the archives. Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Arcana Archives, an exploration into nerddom. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics or guests, please reach out to us at arcanacollective.archives at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram with the username at Arcana Archives. Hope to see you again.